Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I know this is the marathon podcast, but the marathon was over... 22 hours ago, he still had to tow. <laughs> I told you, told us to do this. I texted you, can we do a post marathon podcast so we have an excuse today to only talk about running? Yeah, so if you don't run, you just flip the channel and go watch. Uh, go, what's Logan? Paul, go ahead, there we go. Yeah, walk right in front of the right cameras, in right in front of them. Right, unbelievable. All right, here, here we, we go. Before. Welcome back to another episode of Jeff FM. We are on location in New York City. We just ran the New York City Marathon, and we have the fastest celebrity runner that competed in this marathon. The just fastest celebrity runner. That's what the article was published about. I didn't about write you. the headline, but I'm happy to accept that headline. Man, I'm so proud of you, Casey. <laughs> I, I really am, because I know that you really wanted to crush your time from your physical prime when you were younger and in your, you know, back in the golden years. And now look at you. How old are you? 42. 42, and you're in your, now your new physical prime. Yeah, I mean, I was going to interject because my goal was, I didn't achieve my goal. Okay, so there's the some nuance official there. time, your official time was, I could say it, right? It's been, it's public? Yeah, it's like three. I don't know if that's official, but that's with the chip time. That's what's on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I have the same situation. I have a 3.55 time, which is nothing to brag about. I'm, I'm, I'll I get into... I disagree. It's a fantastic time, but continue. I'll get into my excuses later on in, in the episode. I'm excited to hear them. But um, yeah, man, biggest and toughest marathon in the world. They say 50,000 people. And you've done like fifty-three thousand yesterday. Yeah, you've done how many of these New York City marathons? Yeah, uh, yesterday was seven in New York for me. I think yesterday was my twenty-fifth marathon overall. Okay. But New York's the best. Like I don't do New York. I'm getting a call right now from this hater, Mike. Me, I hate. You might want to know because yeah. I. Yo. Mike, we are live on the podcast. Mike, with, I I didn't do it, man. I didn't make it. From what I understand, you did make it. I heard. I heard there's some discrepancies be, between the uh, Strava time and the actual. But Mike, like I don't accept that. You know what I mean? I take the official time, and I'll take it right on the chin, even though I don't like it. I like my watch time better. What's it called in boxing when you dispute the built-in excuses? Yeah, appeal. I, got, I, I was gonna Mike, appeal. I was gonna appeal. Mike, I'm not appealing this. <laughs> like I, I'll take the L right on the chin and I'll run it back again. Show me the starting line. Let's go. I got 26.2 more ready at any time. Damn. Case, I think we've learned over the past few years, you got to You got to trust your own research. You got to trust your own devices in this world. And I think your I think your time on that Strava is a much more dependable time than what the government, what the <laughs> corporation is telling uh -huh, you. Know what uh -huh. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you're uh, verified on Strava, so maybe you can request an appeal through true. Strava. Yeah, no, I, it, you're a better man than me, though, because I am see. about to post my Strava time. You oh, posted sure. the, the official time. I posted so. the official time, and I, I will own that time. All right, Mike, we got to let you go because we got a lot of big business to talk about. All right. All right. <laughs> later the goal was to break three hours which i didn't do my fastest marathon ever that i've ever run out of those 25 i ran when i was i want to say 29 years old maybe 30 years old how old are you now Jeff? i'm Jeff? 33 30 i think it was 29 or 30 
which is a hundred years ago, and I ran it in 302. 301, something like that. So yesterday was my fastest ever. And there's something that feels good about being like old as fuck, like 42, three kids, like all this bullshit in my life, and you can still make your old fucked up body work like better than it did then. Yeah, and especially you had an accident where you, yeah. you smashed up your femur. And yeah, the, this is all metal on the right side. And the doctor said you'll never run again? Yeah, that's when I started running. So I've done 25 marathons, four Ironmans, 150. Oh, that's when you started? Yeah. When the doctor was like, you can't run? And now it's, you're like, it's like having a teacher tell you you're going to end up in jail. No offense. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, I'll, I'll show you. No <laughs> offense. You know? Yeah. I, uh, I So I, I had bronchitis leading up to the marathon. Of course, I've had everything thrown at me for this uh, race. All the running gods. That's what we say. The running gods throw these obstacles at us. And it's up to us to power through them. And the bronchitis, I was nervous about it. I was extremely nervous before the run. I was like, should I pull out? The doctor said, don't do it. You're going to ruin your lungs. and You're going to have bronchitis for six months. But I said, am I going to die? And he was like, you could. And I was like, really? all right, I'll fucking die. No, he didn't say it. I wanted him to say oh, that you were going to die. Say, Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> but I, once I started out the gate, I was like, I had a moment where like, you know, I was nervous the whole time. I watched this marathon growing up with my family. Have you ever done New York City? No, no. And I never thought I would. I was watching these people on TV when I was a kid. And I was like, these people are insane. 26 miles, you know, just outright sprinting, which, you know, I, I, I didn't do. I tried to do that. I thought I was from Kenya for the first two That's miles. I forgot. Idea. I'm from Staten Island, which is where the race starts, you know, just like our lives. Cody and I, Staten Island. It's a big deal. We got to get that done. It's, it's a, it feels great. There's no better feeling than accomplishing that insanely hard feat. And, you know, I can't, I can't explain it. You just got to go out there and do it. And you really inspire people to run. And I think that's really dope. And I try to do that. I know Cody Co. he's out there. With Cody his, crushed it yesterday. Rub it in my face. Go ahead. <laughs> that was my competition. Because I know you're an insane runner. You actually, you're, you're built for running. You have a, a time that I, even if I train my ass off, I don't think I'll get anywhere close. I don't understand how that makes sense, but, you know. Look, I was talking with Logan and Mike last week about marathoning, and what I said, they were like, are you going to beat Cody? Are you going to beat, and I was like, the thing about marathoning is the most beautiful thing. You're competing with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I believe you want to beat Cody, but whatever. Like, you're competing with your fucking self. Like, yeah. you won. Like, there's a, marathons are a binary. You finish which means you did it or you didn't and you did and no one gives a fuck about your time yeah you did it and that's a huge deal it's yeah. a huge deal i kind of uh, differ to that statement because like yeah. according to your youtube video you had this diagram and i'm in the shame category okay. that was for me i even <laughs> in the video i prefaced that by saying these are for my times everybody has their own time my buddy hunter over there's time annihilated my time but I can't compare myself to him. You only, you're competing with yourself. You were victorious yesterday. Look at that medal. Yeah, it's a completely different thing, those distance runs like that, that 26 miles. Like I was flying, I was on track to do 330, 340, and I'm getting calls. I'm talking to my, I called my mom at mile 17 because I got lightheaded. Oh no. And I was like, I'm, I might pass out here, and that'd be the worst situation is if I pass out and fall down. On oh, Queensboro. Not I didn't cool. know where I was. Everybody's no talking about, did. oh, we're in Brooklyn now. We're in Queens. We're in the Bronx. I was just looking straight down and just trying to just, you know, get through this thing. Were Not, people screaming out your name? Yeah. Were you getting love on the course? 
Yeah, but I almost wish that I didn't because I had to stop and walk a couple times. And every time you stop to walk, I would see a fan with a sign. And then I just felt like they wanted to tear their sign up. So this year is my fastest ever. Last year was my worst ever marathon in New York. And I thought I was fit. We and, studied the videos. And last year was heartbreaking. And I remember turning into Central Park and hearing someone yell, why are you walking? And it was like 49% rage. Like, what do you mean? You're just fucking standing there, my guy. I just ran 24 miles. Yeah. I'm just taking a little breather. And then like 51% just shame. And I was like, they're right. Yeah. Why am I walking? I didn't sign up to walk 26 miles. Yeah. And then you just start picking up the knees. Yeah, you're right. It's just None of that this year, though. No, this year, what got into you? Last year was just humiliating. Because, like, look, in, in years past, I haven't run fast in 10 years or 12 years. Mm -hmm. But, like, last time I ran in New York City before last year was 2017, 2000, I did, like, a 340. And it was fun. I was high-fiving people. I made videos about it. Yeah. And it was jovial. And, like, I gave it, you know, I worked hard, but I wasn't trying to do great. I mm -hmm. knew that I was just going to have a great day. And 340 came in a way that wasn't super challenging. It was just a hard exertion of effort. Last year, I thought I was fit. And I gave it 100%. And I didn't think I was going to finish. What did you run last year? 345, something like that. But Damn. 345, but I was on target for th three even at mile 13. Yeah. Meaning that's how hard I crashed. Like I was doing 15-minute miles. I was doing six-minute miles at the start. And I was doing 15-minute oh, so miles. You were walking. The, I was done. I couldn't move. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to finish. My buddy that I was running with, who's, <clears throat> who's done 258 in in New York City, very fast runner. He and I were pacing each other and at mile 11, he's like, I'm going home. And he went yeah. off the course, got on a fucking city bike and rode his bike home and went to bed. Now, if that were you, would you get on that city bike and ride the course? I actually was thinking about doing that yesterday at mile 17. Yeah, and then you would post the time of like 15 minute miles and then all of a sudden he's banging out four yeah, <laughs> on yeah, the city bike. Yeah. I was I literally debating like, oh damn, should I just cheat or should I cut across the avenues of the park right now? But that's the thing. See, you were motivated by humiliation, you yeah. said. The the whole thing with Shame. this with this running you're, you're competing with yourself it, your time doesn't really matter to anybody nobody else, else. It means so much to you that you'll kill yourself out there sure. we will kill ourselves to beat our old times yeah but the thing is um i kind of like but you would cheat that you would cheat that <laughs> to get a better time and you'd only be cheating yourself it's kind of my own fault because like i got into like different phases of my life like more favor in skydiving not as training as much and then i keep my fastest time with 415 in the la marathon you have excuses That's, okay and you know then, I, I i devote my time to podcasts so i can't marathon, run fast I think it was casey has a family he's got a, a metal femur in his leg and he's over here putting up times like the ethiopians there's no time for excuses right now <laughs> you know but i progress because my miami marathon this year was five hours and 20 minutes what do you do for five hours like there are people that were finishing i don't know the greatest experience as a spectator is show up at the finish line at like eight at night. You're seeing people who have been running for seven or eight hours. Like I was only, I only had to run for three hours. You had to run for four hours. Yeah. When you see people that have been running, they're working harder than the Ethiopians. Yeah. I think those people that take eight hours, people can struggle with their legs. Somebody in a wheelchair can only move one foot. Those people are putting more out there than the first place finishers. And when you see those people like that is like, yeah, I was I was almost tearing up. Oh, yeah, through a lot of times throughout the race, I was so nervous before all of it. But then you get into it, and I I had a moment where I was like, "Holy shit, I'm doing it! This is it! We're here!" And then you come down off that Verrazano, and you hear the crowd roaring in Brooklyn, and it's just like, "This is the sickest shit! Like, oh I'm alive! I'm I'm doing this shit!" You know. And we 
um, Hunter right there, like the, the speed racer, we were talking earlier. It's like, so I've done marathons all over the place. Mm-hmm. Great races around Boston, like run a bunch of big races. But New York City, I think, is one of the only races where it's like more. I think 90%, 95% of the people out there are doing it because it was like a, a, a box on their list. Yeah. Like in my life, I'm going to do this. Not run a marathon, not do this time. In my life, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. And when you take that in times it by 52,000 people. Mm-hmm. That energy is like the most palpable energy that you feel. Like, how about the beginning where you're like stacked in like sardines and yeah. you can hear people's heart Traffic jam. Like everybody's fired up. You hear a cannon go off and you start like getting pushed up to the starting line mm-hmm. and you start jogging. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. He's looking to the right off the Verrazano and the FDNY boat is like spraying blue and red water. The helicopters are... Yeah, the helicopters. You're freaking out. We ran on the curb like you see. Just there's so many people. People are screaming. I just get too excited. I think I'm more of like a 5K, 10K runner, maybe half marathon. I don't know. I, I told myself the best <clears throat> I told myself after the LA marathon that I wasn't going to do it anymore because I lost toenails and I was like, cool, I got it, bucket list, checked it off. But the New York City marathon is the main bucket, the bucket list, list thing that you have to it's do. I don't know how to explain it to people. If you're out there thinking about doing a race, do it. It's mm-hmm. like stop thinking, just nothing, sign up to it. There's nothing like it. Look, we've done a lot of things in life. You got, like I had goals. I wanted to get a gold subscriber plaque, like hit a million subs or something and like win a streamy award or something. But there's no better feeling than pushing yourself to you. Your body's telling you, stop this shit. You're going to fucking die. And you push through that and you you accomplish that. It's just the best, the best feeling is, I think like accomplishment, you know? Yeah. I think that's a secret to happiness. Yeah, and the contagiousness of it in a group. Like everyone, whether you're like a, like a, the, the, the fat girl that's taking like, seven hours in a million years she didn't think she'd be able to do it or you're like the fit guy who's just not a runner or you're like you're, something you're in a my buddy led a, a blind runner yesterday and did sub four my buddy hello was a blind guide and the blind guy did it in under four <laughs> hours no offense like it doesn't matter I'm who in the shame, you are I'm in, I'm in the shame category for sure but it's like they're they're all we're all there for one reason. I gotta stop posting that I go for runs, you know, because if I don't post that I like on my Instagram out training and stuff, people think, like, oh, great job, you didn't even train. But Fuck it's, it. it doesn't like no one cares. Mm-hmm. No one cares. Like to any of those. My father uh, gave me a lot of shit. For besides it. your dad, no one cares. Like to all those guys that are really good. If any of them, like my time, my time would have been Hunter's worst day ever. Yeah. Like, and for me, it was like a, a culmination of 15 years of training. And that's like... But how many subscribers does Hunter have? That's you true. Know? That's true. Well, he's not doing bad. The, sorry, Hunter. I know nothing, but I'm just saying, I'm just <laughs> fucking around. I'm like, it, there's kind of like a thing when, like with the crossover boxing now, you know, sure. you compete against people that have to do the same amount. They have to spend the same amount of time on training or they have to spend the same amount of time on work and they mm. can't train as much as an athlete so that's why it works out like okay these non-fighters can fight other non-fighters and that makes sense i love the youtube boxing thing mm. i wish they were better i wish they were just the fights were actually better like those 20 seconds when logan was beating the shit out of him like yeah. i wish all five rounds were like that it's like just a lot of like i'll watch it for those 20 seconds it's magical yeah. And like KSI throwing those huge haymakers were awesome. But then he was kind of gassed and they, those fights kind of dwindle off. Like, But I love it because to me, it's like, I think that 
I'm, I'm really taking a turn here away from our marathon conversation, but like I think Jake uniquely has done a flawless job of picking perfect people to fight. Yeah, they because fight. People, they want to fight. Yeah, and they, the people give him shit. And they're like, "Why don't you fight a boxer?" And it's like he's only done five matches or six matches, like six five. Like, give the kid a chance. He's picking people that like. Do I think he's gonna beat him? Like, do I think he can actually beat Silva? I don't know. Let's see what happens. Silva was a really good fight. Silva was, was a great that, fight. It was that, a great matchup. And Silva was a total gentleman about it, and Jake was respectful towards him, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really liked that fight. That was a good fight. And uh, people don't know boxers, really. You know, you want to see him fight people that you know personalities. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. And if they're a little, you know, newer, you can follow things. If you watch two, like, flyweights go at it, they're just so technical and so quick. Sure. You don't even see what's going on. This, so is, we, high, this is like a fight. They're not boxing. It's like, they're fighting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although I do think Logan Paul has found his calling as a professional wrestler. I know. Holy shit, is he good. I've been watching wrestling since I was a kid. NWO days, man. Logan is fucking brilliant in the ring. Mm -hmm. He's like part gymnast. He can do his flips and his... He sells. Like when the other guys are doing their... That's what you call it, right? Like Uh, when somebody tries to body slam you and you let them body slam you and then you act hurt, it's called a sell. Yeah, they overdo it. No, Logan does it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to make your opponent look good. Yeah. And he does that so well. And then he's hurting himself every match. He's giving it everything he's got. Mm-hmm. He's flying high. Like, no, that is like the best. I, I'm so psyched that he's taken that that turn in his career. Yeah, same. Just, after holy shit, after that last that. fight when he said like, yeah, I'm going to go back to WWE, I was like, dope. You know, because yeah. he went through a lot of shit dealing mm-hmm. with Dylan. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, and there's just I like so, seeing him beat up Dylan, but I don't like all that, mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah, there's so much to risk for him because he's got a billion-dollar company now, you know, and you... If you, you said do, it's singular. I don't think that's accurate. A multi, multi-billion. Yeah, so now you're going to risk the humiliation. You know, like I said, yeah, you're motivated why? by humiliation. That's what people <laughs> want to see, you know? That's why people are so interested in that, because you know somebody's going to get humiliated. Yeah, that's what so. people love, you know? What is wrong with people? It's like that great Bill Burr stand-up where he talks about how women don't show up to support the WNBA. Mm-hmm. But they'll show up to support like the Kardashians where they're just yelling at each other. Yeah. And it's such a perfect sort of like encapsulation of what we as humans will turn to. Like, how is Us Weekly still a thing? Why do we care about that shit? There's important things happening in the world. Why is gossip and shame and we're getting deep now. We're getting deep. Yeah, no, go on. So I was talking to Phil DeFranco last night. Ooh. Great guy. Phil DeFranco said to me, I will run the New York City Marathon 2024. And he wanted me to announce that mm-hmm. on this podcast. He's so, making a promise to every one of his fans that he is going to run the New York City Marathon in 2024, and he believes and he knows in his heart that he can do it. Could he wager something if he doesn't do it? Like uh, yeah, he has I mean, to get a face tat or yeah, something? Yeah, a face tat or his house or like, you know, put up one of his kids for adoption or something. It should be at that level. Yeah, risk it. Yeah, a yeah. kid for sure. Yeah. I had a wager where if I, ran, if I didn't run sub four, I had to shave my head. Now, mm. I know the official chip time says four flat. excuses. But the watch time, you know? The watch time, now, I, I was, when I started, you get special privileges out there. Like they let you start in the front with the pros that you're like. Yeah, I know a guy. They shoot the gun. Your name, it does, it's not even a bib with numbers. It yeah, says Casey on friend. it. Yeah. So, you know. What's All the, you need to do if you want that. That's probably like 50 minutes that you shaved All off right there. All you need is like, you just make about a half dozen really viral, flattering videos for the New York City Marathon 
then you're in their good graces. Before That's we true. move on from the Phil DeFranco thing, I just wanted to read you exactly what he said. He said, congratulations on the race. And I said, next year you should join Phil, greatest running race in the world. And I'm going to quote his response just to back up what I was saying before. Mm-hmm. He said, um, not a fucking chance, LOL. So all that other stuff that I was saying was how I interpreted what he really meant when he said not a chance. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I do think a face tattoo is probably the most appropriate thing for him if he doesn't do it. Where do you get that he's going to run from that? I'm thinking if he sees this, that maybe this will motivate him. Phil, look, we're going to get you to do it. You know, I know it seems insane right now. You may have never, you may have never run over three miles in your life. He's so fit. He looked great. I, he just did lose a bunch of weight, so he probably is running more than He's three like miles. He's like yoked too. We got to get him out there. Mm-hmm. New York City Marathon. I know it's a scary number. Phil, that twenty-six. Get you one of these. Phil. All right, real quick. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. With over twenty-eight million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than seventy thousand events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. I'm pumped right now. We got the Jonas Brothers on tour right now. We got Drake, Beyonce. Travis Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it's lit. <laughs> and SeatGeek puts all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10. So look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means... And every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And you know I came through for you guys. Use my code Jeff for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code Jeff. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Thank you, SeatGeek, for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back on with it. How was your experience, Cody? Yeah, Cody, talk us through it. Have you changed since the marathon? No. Is this You're coming straight from the finish line, which was yesterday, to this podcast, because you, you look ready to run right now. I am ready to run. This is the same exact outfit that I wore that I'm still in from last night. And uh, I was trying to get Jeff to run today, but he wasn't. Did you run today? I wanted to because you inspired me. I looked at the Instagram. I was like, oh, Casey's doing three miles right now. Mm-hmm. And then he texted me a picture of like some yellow. Um, I, ur- sent urine. Him, I sent I sent you guys both a He's bottle like, of piss. I'm super dehydrated. I I'm pissed not- in a. In a- <laughs> it was an amber. In a water bottle. Dark. It, it looked the darker. color of this couch. It looked darker than apple juice. And I looked it up. What does this mean? And it said so it, it means you're extremely <laughs> dehydrated to go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm fucked right now. If my brain's not working, it's because I have low brain fluid. Good. You know, I got to deal with a lot of people that I knew. Um, good overcast. It's really fun. A lot of people. Good crowd. I like running through all the neighborhoods in New York City because you see all the different minorities caucasian people and cultures and you saw Caucasian people out there you saw caucasian people (laughs) yeah yeah it was cool to see um the mix all the nations at war that were out there with their flags but you got a nice video of the two people uh you had a israeli my brother my buddy kosha dills is his name he's a like a jewish rapper he's great and he is like of super just positive piece like he puts on a lot of stuff on instagram about what's going on in the conflict right now but he does it in a way that's like it's just peaceful and kind and lovely yeah we need more stuff like we that. we need more stuff like that it was great no this is like also like the support the comedy of the signs mm-hmm. there's like a dude handing out joints in brooklyn he just had a sign that said free weed he had a handful of pre-rolled joints and people were like like saw like an old dude go over to my son on instagram and he like runs with the guy and like hands him a joint yeah and like 
there was a dude, what was the other video I saw, who had two beers with, um, that were like shotgunned, where they already had the holes in them and stuff, and he was just standing like this till somebody came up to him and he gave it to a guy. And Did you see the duck running? Yeah, the duck was running. I didn't see the duck. I saw a line. Yeah. I didn't see the duck. We ripped no, I think the, the, we ripped the shot because I didn't have enough footage. It's slower than us. <laughs> the duck does like a five and a half, six hour marathon, but there's a duck that runs it. How does that duck get a bib every year? Those bibs are hard to get. Yeah, it's extremely hard to get yeah. in that race. As we tell everybody, you should definitely go out and sign up to the New York City Marathon. It's, it's like, I saw on the news today, they said it's harder to get into than an Ivy League school. That's a little ridiculous. I've never been to an Ivy League school, but I have been in the New York City Marathon seven times. So okay, so you could, Based on my experience, that doesn't feel accurate. That doesn't make sense, right? But it is hard, which is a bummer. But whatever, just, you, you know. Figure it out. Yeah, there's like a thing where it's like, how does it work on you? Like volunteer a bunch of times. Yeah, so if you volunteer eight times, so to, eight oh you, one. yeah, the New York the governing body does like all these races. So you do a bunch of five Ks and you volunteer at one. You hand out water, then they give you a bit. There's like, you know, it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. You just got to put work in, raise yeah. a bunch of money for charities. I was running to, when I was like hit that wall, and I saw a guy that had a shirt on. He's like, "What is your why? Remember your why Ooh. or something?" And it, did you ever say that in a video? Because I feel like you said that before. I mean, probably something. I think that's like a cheesy thing to say no i don't think it's a cheesy thing to say i think it's like it's it's if you're in tune with why you do what you do like if your actions have purpose it i think it makes you a more effective human being yeah i think there's a lot of people that kind of maybe float through life without ever identifying or appreciating why they do anything they do and i think if you can attach a purpose to everything you do you're just a happier more fulfilled person and when you're out there running 26 miles for no reason, your brain's telling you stop. Your body's all telling kinds you stop. Of shit. There's all kinds of shit going on. Your what, mind turns on. What'd you. What'd you say, Hunter, in the elevator? The dark place. The dark place. Yeah. yeah, when you're just like, you're everything saying stop. Every instinct that like God gave you, or Darwin gave you, depending on your beliefs, that mm -hmm. makes you stop to preserve your own f well-being. All of those alarms, like the dashboard of your car with like the check engine light, every light is on. Like a lot of people, it was mile 17 coming. There's yeah. this huge bridge in the middle of the race at mile 16, like the worst place. This huge bridge that's just uphill forever. And I saw everybody's check engine lights, like bing, bing, bing. That's bing. where I had to walk. Yeah, that's where I crashed too. That's what, that's what killed me last year. I walked over that. I remember last year stopping on the bridge, like I was going to pass out. I put my hand on the bridge and then I just like looked down and I had pulled down my pants and I was just taking a piss. There was like thousands of people and I just couldn't, like I had no control of what was going on. And then I just walked up the whole bridge last year. And that's why like this year, I was like, no chance. This year I was like 650 up the bridge. Yeah, how do you, how are you running that fast up those hills? How do you get, how you, you just, you just, I, have, for me it was, just, I trained it. you have a coach. I trained that bridge a million times. So I was like, this bridge won't break me. What yeah. will break me is Fifth Avenue and it broke me. And I trained Fifth Avenue week in and week out. I was like, I can't. And I knew I wouldn't be able to overcome it. And I didn't. And well, you, what, me. not, you ran a seven, Yeah, but that's mile? what cost me oh. the two minutes I needed was that uphill. Well, and you I got knew. a year to regret that. And that'll be haunting you for a year. It's been haunting me for like 15 years, but I'll, I'll I'm not afraid. I'm going to go right Next back year we're going for it again? I want to run the New York City Marathon every year until I can no longer run or I die. I it like is that. my favorite thing on a level that is like inex inexplicable. It is so hard to explain mm -hmm. the what that is like. Like it is the the humanity of that, like the collective humanity of it in the city that I love. Like all of the virtues of New York City that I love. And New York's fucked up. There's a lot wrong with the city, but that's neither here nor there. 
everything that's right about this city that has the people who live here suffer through living here. You pay like a fortune to live in a small apartment. I could have a huge house if I lived in fucking Cleveland. But instead I live in this tiny apartment. Like I, the streets are dirty. I stepped over trash to come here. It fucking stinks out there. Like you suffer through that because New York has these magical virtues. And those virtues are distilled in that marathon. It is like the pure brilliance of this city condensed down in one little race. Yeah. And it is just like mainlining straight black tar, pure New York City heroin is what that race is like. It is everything I fucking love and committed my life to figure out how to survive and live in this city. All, all distilled, all right there. It is New York City concentrate. You do such a good job at capturing that New York personality too. Uh, the side talk guys. Um, They're the best. Yeah, they, they do a great New job. New York at, Nico, uh, I don't know if you follow him on social yeah, media. New yeah, York yeah. Nico, he and captures the city. I was, I was talking to the side talk guys and they said something that, that stuck with me. They were like, we were looking for what to do for our videos and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of people have characters, like it's their own personality. But mm. when we shoot, like New York is the personality. New York is the character. And that's a cool way to look at it. And you, you do really good with that too. Um, but yeah, talking about like your, your motivation to get into running for a doctor to tell you like, you're never going to run again. And then you're like, that's going to push me to, you know, now look at where you're at. This guy found running in prison because before that we tried everything to get happy. We tried selling drugs, taking drugs, making money the last year before getting out. And then I remember you did a marathon in 2016. So I was like, when I got out, I was like, I'm going to do a marathon now. And then I did the LA marathon in 2020. And then I was, and then during COVID, I got into swimming and cycling. And then I did an Ironman. And then I just started doing a whole bunch of marathons. Fort Lauderdale, Miami. I did New York twice. You did a 146 full distance Ironman? Yep. It's un- that's a, that's 14 a, hours and five minutes in Cosmo, that's a, Mexico. That's a good time. That's a good time. Yeah, that was my slow. One of my slow marathons too was like five hours and 30 minutes. You did a marathon because I did a marathon. I did an Ironman because you did an Ironman. Look at that. Now that's what friends are for. You know, push each other to do shit like this, not to do drugs. Oh, you don't want to smoke and then that I crack. From Alcatraz, what do you remember? Yeah, he swam from Alcatraz. He did, the, he did the escape from Alcatraz. Have you done that, Casey? No, I haven't done that. I haven't done that. Yeah, it's a hard I hate, swim. That's why I stopped doing triathlons. I hate swimming. Same. The only thing I like is to run. Mm. I, just like to I, run. I hate the turning the head movement to get air constantly. Just, you can't mm-hmm. look. It's it foot. I mean, I'm, I like to. I, I, I've swam for a, a number of years, yeah. but I wish I had gills. You know, I then gills. I wouldn't mind because you wouldn't have to. Kevin Costner and Waterworld. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Running so um, accessible. Like whenever you travel, you just run, throw shoes in your backpack, and you can uh-huh. just go. Yeah, my nephew uh, popped his knee. He's got fluid in his knee now. I think he's in the emergency room. What? What? When did this happen? Yesterday. In the marathon. Yeah. Uh, shame. Well, he finished. Good for him. Yeah. Did anyone die? I hope not. I saw people that looked like they were dead. Yeah, like that was it. the scariest thing. So for me, it was mile. 21 coming out of the Bronx I remember so vivid and it was one of the scariest moments in the whole race I saw the first person stop and start walking and I was like oh no that was at mile what 21 oh because you were up there with the pros I started with people everyone was faster than me yeah I was the slowest runner trying to do three hours everybody I was up with was much 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 faster 
So I'm just being passed the whole race and everybody looking much better than me, which is good motivation. But the first time I saw someone peel off and then like a minute later, second person, 30 seconds later, third person, 15 seconds later, fourth person. And then by the time you get to like Central Park, every second, it's like dink, dink, Just dropping like flies. Dropping. And then even turning into the, the shoot, like the final 500 feet, like in my head, I was like, I'm, I might not make this. And I slowed down just to make sure I could get across the finish line because I was a little fucked up the finish line. But I saw people going down at the finish line just stopping, mm -hmm. just stop putting their hands down. And it was like, oh, man. <sighs> it's scary. Yeah. Because it just it reminds you of your own What time did fallibility. you start? What time did I wake up? What time did I start? What, when did, you, when did they, they shoot the gun off for you? What like heat were you in? Nine. Nine? nine? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you started um, like an um, hour and a half ahead of us. But I remember I was like, I would call my parents and I would like check because they're tracking and they're like Casey finished in 301 he broke his record and I was all pumped up and I was like fuck where but also I was like fuck he fucking crushed me like maybe Casey would sprain an ankle and I could beat him or something you know <laughs> I'm like worried about Cody now and I'm like where's Cody at what pace is he at and Kyle's like oh you're fucking crushing him he's running like 10 minute miles and I'm like no fucking way Cody Co is doing that and he's like no bad Cody evil Cody because we got evil Cody yeah, and we have yeah, good Cody Co and then he was like he's That's running 10 minutes and then I was like where's Cody Co at and he's like he's fucking three miles ahead of you and I was like fuck and then I what picked did Cody it up Co, what did good Cody come in at seven minutes ahead of me he got me by you know I and you know I would be pissed off because he's trained he trained hard though yeah he's yeah fit, he, man yeah he put in the proper training yeah 353 and I would be kind of like, I'm very competitive and I would be like upset with myself, but I didn't get the proper training in and I know that I gave it everything I had. I left everything out there. And I'd say after your legs, your lungs are the most important thing. So running with bronchitis is pretty crazy. Yeah. At like three miles in, I was like, the bronchitis is gone. All you got to do is go out and run a marathon if you, if you get sick. But then it came, it came back. I was just coughing up and spitting and people run by. What the fuck are you doing? I'm fucking, I'm running over here. How long do we have to wear these for? Is there a rule? You, this was your idea to I just thought it would be funny. It, I well, it would be funny. We could take, we could take them off. You know, I, our participation medals, you know? I'm walking around with a gold. Somebody asked me, they're like, yo, did you, did you win, win the Olympics? I told them I got a replica on Canal Street. They should sell these on Canal Street. Just to say I did it. Yeah. It's a, a participation medal, but it means a lot. You know, we worked hard for these participation medals. I'll say it's medals. fun on race day, a marathon day to wear it for the rest of the day because everywhere you go, people mm -hmm. are so nice to you. What do you do with these medals now after? Do you just have a drawer that yeah. you stuff them in? Yeah. I just I, hang them on a hanger in my closet. I used to collect trophies when I used to race like triathlons and win. Yeah. But the trophies are like the same people that make the trophies for like high school wrestling tournaments. Mm -hmm. And I was like a grown ass man, like collecting these trophies. And when my girlfriend became my wife, she's like, you're an adult. Like you don't keep your trophies anymore. It's not okay. And I was yeah, like, you're a you so trophy hoarder. Right. She's so right. All right, real quick. This video is brought to you by manscaped.com. The global men's lifestyle brand that is revolutionizing the landscape of men's grooming. When you've got the confidence of more than 9 million men worldwide, it's pretty clear that Manscaped has mastered the art of producing superior men's grooming and hygiene tools for your family jewels. Once again, they're at the forefront showing their ongoing dominance in providing top-notch quality and unmatched value as we jump into their 
latest grooming and hygiene bundle, the Performance Package 5.0, featuring their all-new The Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra Electric Trimmer. With The Lawnmower 5.0, they've taken grooming precision to a whole nother level with their next-gen dual skin-safe blade heads, now accompanied by an upgraded trimmer blade and interchangeable foil blade for enhanced performance. First, the upgraded trimmer blade features longer, wider, and rounder teeth that cut through hair with ease. Tough on hair, yet incredibly gentle on the skin. It's a precision powerhouse. Its mission is to leave you with that irresistibly smooth, bare finish as it moves softly across your skin, snatching even the finest hairs, but not your nuts. You're not going to snip that skin on your nuts. Think of it as a grooming tag team match. The trimmer blade enters the ring with its clean cut moves and the foil blade swoops in there for the grand finale of unbeatable smoothness. Head over to manscaped.com to get your hands on the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra today. When you use my promo code Jeff's Barbershop, you'll get 20% off plus free international shipping plus two free gifts. That's 20% off plus free shipping and two free gifts with promo code Jeff's Barbershop at manscaped.com. Trust me when you say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. All right, thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back on with it. It's done. We don't have another uh, New York City Marathon for another year. So what next? I'm training. Training started this morning. I feel like if you train that much, you'll get injured. Well, you should we'll just see. take a break for like up until... What the, am I going to do with my free time? Do do videos. I guess I could get back to work. Are you back uh, posting a lot? I see... Not a lot. I need to, and I'm excited about it. I will say that like... I, I think just as it's an excuse and it's laziness, it's not a legitimate excuse, but I definitely was like, certainly the last couple of months, I was like, I don't really want to focus on the marathon. And I just have been using it as an excuse not to make videos, but it's a bullshit excuse because I, I finished running at like seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. I've got nothing to do between like 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. I just kind of sit and watch movies and yeah. clean my office and put up shelves and it's almost like a Bullshit. trap running because you could get that sense of accomplishment to where you feel like you don't need to do actual real work. And, and running is almost like a mindless activity where you could just go out and yeah, it's tough and you have to get through it, but you're no, just thinking a work like, life balance that matters. Get through it with running. <laughs> like I do jujitsu and I stopped, I put it on pause so I didn't get injured for the race. And jujitsu is like you're in school and you're, you're trying to pace yourself mm. and you're like completely gassed out. So that is a little tougher. But in the morning when I'm like waking up and trying to get my brain going, just a run is perfect. And then, yeah, yeah, I fucking ran today. I'm good. I don't have to do a video. You feel, you know, <laughs> but if I look at all the people that you probably inspire to go out there and run and save themselves from a life of drugs and chasing highs from the wrong places, motivate yourself by fear of humiliation. That is there's the somebody, some comedian, great comedian I was watching on like a podcast recently and he was talking about how he's an addict and then was a food addict. And he identified like the addiction, whether it was to eat food or do drugs, was that he wanted to just feel different. He wanted to change his physical state, is how he articulated it. And I think about that a lot, because I, I have a wildly addictive personality. I come from like alcoholism, drug addiction, runs in my family. Mm -hmm. I've never had any propensity or real attraction towards drugs or alcohol. But like the running thing, for me is like it's a bona fide addiction if i don't run in the morning i'm angry all day i need it i depend on it i look forward to it i obsess i fetishize it and i think that there's a world where like you can sublimate that kind of um personality that kind of person into something really positive like i mean the kind of running i i do we do is like a little bit unnecessary but if you can be that guy 
who runs three or four miles three or four times a week like that's an insurance policy against aging against breaking like that will keep you Heart alive attacks. yeah for so you know my dad is like he was never into fitness and he was a fat guy so he got really sick in his early 40s and then he had to get healthier he was going to die and then he's had cancer three times and you know, now he's in his early 70s and like in the last five years, he's really focused on his fitness and his health. But when you're 68, your options are kind of limp. Like there's no version of waking up when you're 68 being like, I'm going to do it and becoming a hardcore runner in those years. Maybe a doctor would disagree with me. I don't think, I just think like you have 68 years of momentum that is, a, that is against you, that you're fighting against. But yeah. if you can start it at our age and just maintain that, like what a beautiful, wonderful thing. Yeah, my father's 69 and he rides his bike like 30, 40 miles a day. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah, it keeps him going. It keeps him excited. Yeah, that does I got, for you. I got him a, a Garmin watch for Christmas and he's addicted to Strava. It's his only form of social media. <laughs> and honestly, that's the only one you need. I know you don't like it because you had like stalker situations. Yeah, just I think Strava is the unbelievable. It's the best platform. Like if you are a runner, a fitness guy, there's nothing better than Strava. I think the Nike one is garbage. I don't believe there's a single engineer working on that. It's antiquated. It doesn't work well. Um, yeah. Garmin is fine, but it's just kind of for you. It's not as much of a social network. Garmin, and they sometimes they mess up with, yeah, the, yeah. with the chip time and, you know. I'm just telling you that. Well, we're going to put in the but, dispute. But Strava is the best. I just had a kind of a unique situation, which is that I live in a small city. I run the same route every day, and yeah, it was like people could figure out. Even if I didn't post the route, they'd figure out what times I was running and stuff like that. And it got so a little running bit weird. next to you when I interview you. Yeah, yeah. I, like what this I do. This is I, my time to. <laughs> but I share my runs in this for the same reason that your dad shares on Strava. Like, there's something about it, even if it's no one's paying attention. The idea that other people might care that you did it. Yeah. To get that like thumbs up, that double tap. It's, there's something motivating. It's about an addiction that. too. Yeah. Kudos. Kudos. He's yeah. addicted to kudos I'm fully. To kudos. But it's a, it's a, I think it's a positive thing. Like they named that mechanism instead of a like or heart, they named it kudos because they want you to feel supported because you fuck it that day. You didn't have to, but you put on your shoes and you got out there. Well, that's why I signed up for the New York City Marathon because I wanted the kudos. Yeah, yeah it also... Did you get it, the kudos? Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, you yeah, most this kudos ever. got the most, though. I got like 100. A he thousand, got like 1,000. 1,000 kudos. On a, I mean, for... Well, you... When I saw your unactive Strava account, I was a little suspicious because 50,000 followers on an app that I never even heard of. I was like, what are these bots? Did he buy Strava followers? And then you explained to me, you're like, no, I just, I had people showing up and, you know, yeah. like showing up in my runs. But yeah, it gamifies running. And it's wonderful. It's a fantastic platform. If I, I don't start using it again. You should get back yeah, on there because I, I would love to see you could, your progress. You could hide the beginning and end. It doesn't, yeah, it's not. You could hide it by a mile. Yeah, so yeah, it's not yeah. enough. They'll catch you. The city's too yeah. small. It's just weird. It's, you're so vulnerable when you run. You know what I mean? Especially I run public at, any, I run at any, five in the... I run when it's pitch blackout. I wear huge headphones. I get into my books on tape. Like, if you ever wanted to murder me, the greatest time for you to murder me is on my runs. 5 a.m. West Side Remember that, highway. folks. <laughs> 5 a.m. West Side Highway. You'll find them. You want to get them. Yeah. There you, you go. You just wear one of those push icy masks. You know what's kind of... <laughs> As you run, you know? <laughs> you know what's kind of wild? <laughs> so the so tube mask? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, call it, they call it a pusha. It's like a. It looks like a. I guess it's like a rob. It's like pusha. It's like a, a rapper, but they banned it in Philadelphia because of all the robbery robberies. That's what everybody's wearing. So yeah, it's like a ski mask, like old school, but it's called pusha ski mask. So you just gotta wear or a gator mask. Remember those? You know what's wild? Not to get into politics, but 
when I moved back to New York after living in LA for three years, and I went out for my first run at like 5.30 in the morning, I saw like a young woman running by herself. Yeah. And my instincts were to like stay far enough behind her so she knows I'm not uh, any sort of threat, but to make sure she gets home safely. And then I remembered like I'm not in LA anymore. Yeah. And in New York, you can actually go out and run mm -hmm. safely and be yeah. okay. Yeah. LA is fucked. Like, uh, I've been running in New York City for 20 years without incident, and I had three life-threatening incidences on my runs in LA. Yeah, and you can't just run away from these guys? I mean, they have a good pace? Every, <laughs> Sign them up for the marathon. Like, I had like a homeless guy on uh, Santa Monica on the walk where I had like nothing but short shorts on. Yeah. Sweaty guy, short shorts, nothing. Uh -huh. And this dude threw a water bottle at my head. I could have just kept running, but like my instinct was like turned. I was like, "Dude, what the fuck?" Yeah. And he just pulls out a box cutter. Uh, okay. And I was like, oh, "Fuck." <laughs> if they pull like, out a knife, you run. If they pull out a gun, you run at them. Yeah. To sure. get the gun. Whatever. If I see a knife, like I don't care. I'm out of there. And like I it was just like hands up, but like you know it was close enough where if I turn, like I I don't know. I didn't want to take my eyes off them. And like two old, and I mean really old people. Mm-hmm. Like 80 year olds came up and kind of were like you leave him alone you put that knife away and i was like thanks guys because <laughs> you were over there gassed out no You're just because like, like i don't know even like this lunatic yeah there's something so disarming about oxygenarians like when you see a really old person in their 80s you're like they're not a threat and they're mm -hmm. telling him to go away and he just like for whatever he just turned and walked away but like you know me like a dude is all sweaty and jacked out there i'm just yelled what the fuck at him he sees me as a threat and these old people, he didn't see it as a threat. And I was very happy they were there to defuse it. Cause like a dude holding a box cutter is a fucking scary sound, sight. It sounds like you just wanted to get arrested. You don't get arrested for that in Los Angeles. That's perfectly legal in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 You can do whatever you want in LA. Yeah. It's yeah but I'm over it. I'm back out here. I'm looking at apartments. Are you tomorrow. here full time? That's what I, was, I was asking you before we were on air. I just What's really like vibe? it. I just like, I like New York. People are the real people, with real jobs, different, ages you know everybody's not just trying to stay uh young and do uh, things to uh gain popularity mm. and do whatever to you know get there so i just i love it here uh, i have good friends here family real friends i grew up with as i was walking to the marathon i was seeing cops i went to high school with yeah and it was just it's just cool man i don't know i just feel i, I get depressed in la you know yeah. it's tough it's la's got its virtues and like i, I have a tendency a bad habit of like talking poorly about Los Angeles because I didn't I didn't find my my flow there I didn't find my place there but I look like my big brother who's a fantastic filmmaker super talented guy he's so happy there and he's a complicated person he's not a pushover um, my younger brother who's same thing super smart kid he loves LA I understand why people really like LA I think it's more about you but for me like I'm I'm never leaving New York. I'm mm -hmm. never leaving New York City. I'm going to die in this city. I'm never leaving New York City. Yeah. And you make your best work here, I think. I'm just happiest here. I find inspiration here. I, like, you could walk me out in front of this building right now and I could find 10 subjects for a video. Mm -hmm. I've got my studio here. I like living in a small apartment with my family. My apartment's not tiny, but, like, it's comfortable. But if yeah. it was a, if it, I live in a house that size anywhere else, they'd be like, why are you living in that little place? It's like, it's nice. We can leave our apartment door open and the kids play with the neighbor's kids. And like, it's a sense of community. And we have like a doorman and like, we know his name. And um, my kids can ride their scooter to ballet class. And you know, it's like there's, when you're all stuck together, all 8 million people, it's like, you can either war with each other 
or figure out how to make it work. And I feel mm -hmm. like New York City is about 98% making it work and 2% war. And I can live with that. Mm -hmm. I like that. It makes yeah. me happy here. Are you going to make movies? I mean, I know, I know you're... All I want to do is make YouTube videos right now. That's all I want to do. And it's a weird place to be because I feel like I'm very, I'm in a place of extreme privilege where I have financial security, not enough. Like I'm, if I don't work, I we would, I would be, there'd be some concern for my family, but I don't worry about food and I don't worry about rent and that I worried about food and I worried about rent until about, you know, for the first 35 years of my life. And now I'm at first time in my life in a place where it's like, I have some financial security. And when you have that financial security, you get to ask yourself like, what do I want to do professionally? What do I want to do? What makes me happy? And what really makes me happy is like being alone in my office. I take out my garbage. I mop my own floors. I have no assistance. Um, and I, I like to just obsess over making little stupid YouTube videos. It makes me happier than making feature films. It makes me happier than being on big productions. Yeah. I love it. I got a coffee machine the other day. And like it's still in the box because I have this idea about making a video about coffee. Is it it's like not, a, what is it, like a Keurig or is it like I don't a fancy? Know. It's really like machine? weird. Looks like it came out from outer. It looks like a stand, uh, like a like a prop from 2001: Space Odyssey. Was it really expensive? I don't know. It was a gift. Just showed up in the mail. But my oh, idea okay. is like I built a coffee machine in my office a year ago for the first time ever. And my video idea is to quantify how much money I've saved by not walking to my favorite coffee shop and getting an $8 cappuccino twice Such a, a day. Such a Casey video. Yeah, it's like, it's nonsense. It's, it's nonsense. It's so simple and relatable though. Yeah, completely. We all deal with this shit, but it's like, I'm looking at that and I just like see all these like interesting visuals and I like picture the camera across the street, which is like how I shoot those shots. Like when I put the camera on a tripod, hit record and then run back across. I leave a $5,000 camera on a tripod in the middle of New York City street rolling. And I pray to God nobody steals it for 20 seconds. I sprint back and then walk calmly by the camera, like the wide shot of me coming out of my office, walking into the coffee shop. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. What grown-ass 42-year-old man gets to, like, spend his days doing that and somehow that equals, like, making a living? Like, the fact that I have that opportunity and I know now nothing makes me happier than doing that. That's, like, that's what I want to do. That's what comes with age, how yeah. you figure out what... What you need to pay attention to. I don't to think it'll last forever. Are I, you thinking either you're the most happy right now than you've ever been? Yeah, I mean, it's for a lot of reasons, but like the family thing is super real. Like all I ever wanted was a family. I My upbringing was fine. I don't bitch about it anymore because I think in the grand scheme of things, I had it better than nine, 99% of people on this planet. But I still had like a, you know, I had a tumultuous childhood. I left home when I was 15. I never went back. Like my parents got divorced when I was... When I was like at the, such a growth phase, like right when I was hitting puberty, my, my, everything goes to shit at home. Um, I ran away. It's like, you know, I had a kid when I was a teenager. Like it's, I was on welfare. I like couldn't afford food. Like all of that is like fucked up. But through all that, all I ever wanted was like a family. Mm -hmm. And now it's like I have this rule. Like I don't go out after dark, period. Um, I think at 31 days a month, maybe there's one day. Maybe there's one day every 45 days where I actually go out after dark because I get home at six o'clock. I play with my kids for a couple hours and we like get them in bed by like 830. I go to the gym, which is like in my apartment in the bit on the basement for like, you know, an hour. Then it's 930. I take a shower, come back, hang out with the wife for an hour. And we're both tired. And, and I, then you got to wake up at 4 a.m. to go run. Yeah. And then I go into my room. Like we have, we have like a guest room because our kids like to share a room. So we have an extra bedroom and I sleep separate from my wife 
He goes, I like to go to bed early. And she likes to watch her TV. And I go to bed and I wake up at 4.30. There's nothing I want more than that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go out to dinner with friends. I don't want to grab a drink. I don't want to hang out. I don't want to go to a party. I don't want to go to some like fucking fashion launch party. Damn, that sounds I don't want to nice. do any of That's all I want. I want to sleep in a different bed than my wife, future I think it's a, wife. It's a key to marriage. Yeah. And my wife and I have a great relationship and like it's not a sex thing. Uh-huh. It's just like she likes to have the dog in bed with her. She likes to watch like women have this fucked up thing where they watch these murder yeah. docu-series before yeah. bed. What does that do to your brain? You don't, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. And I can't have like I'm falling asleep, honey, and in the background you're like, and then she slit the throat of her three children before her husband came home and she shot him in the face. Uh-oh, it's like, straight, turn this fucking shit off. Straight into nightmares. Yeah. So no, I go into my bedroom, which is like the kid's playroom. There's like mm-hmm. a fish tank in there and it's filled up with toys and there's like stuffed animals in the bed and the bed's this big. Um, but yeah, I sleep well. And then I wake up at 4.30 and I don't about waking her up. Happy, my coffee, watch the sunrise, go for a run. It's Figure the dream. it out, Casey. Yeah, uh, you're an inspiration. Uh, you know, I'm I'm really happy, grateful to have you as a friend and inspiration. I'm always looking for people that are in the same field as me, and and I can get inspiration from. You know, so yeah, I'm really really grateful to have you as a friend. Um, you too, Cody. Even though we have our you know our rocky times, you know, sometimes I need to give him a couple month suspension, but you know. Uh, this guy, me and him, been together since what? I met you 13, 14, and look at us now. You know, <coughs> we look like a fucking Olympic team. <laughs> Bob's the team. You're the guy <laughs> in the front of the bobsled. You're the pusher. Yeah, we've been through a lot. You and me too, Casey. We've yeah, been through been a fun road. You know, fun ride. the whole thing. Did you say? Did you ever talk about the documentary? Have you? I mean, I just a, was on Logan's podcast last week, and we talked about it a lot. But um, yeah, you know, that made me real happy because I was like, yeah, I got Casey on the podcast next week to Mike, and he's like, oh shit, I'm in New York. I'm gonna get Casey on the podcast. I'm like, you better not fucking put it out before me. So he was like, all right, cool. We'll drop that the next week. But those are my boys too. I'm a, I'm the third guy on Impulsive once a month. I love one, those guys, man. One episode a month. Yeah, I love them too. Good friends, you know. Good in, in the business. They're good at what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 Mike, I tell him sometimes that he's he's uh, one of the better ones in the field, and he's run with that, and that's now. He's like the Jay-Z of the podcast game, so you got to humble him sometimes, but I'm happy I found Mike too. What I does Jay-Z him. mean? Uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z. He's like the Jay-Z of the podcast game. Yeah. Yeah, so you do not want to... I mean, we don't have to put that No, we, like, we t- the nut of it is like I still haven't released it and I feel weird about having not released it. Yeah. I could if I wanted to put it on my YouTube channel, but like we had distribution opportunities that were really exciting and they kind of all fell through for circumstantial reasons. I think for me, and I know it's it, your relationship with the whole story is very different. It's a movie I made about David Dobrik. It was initially a story about how David really is just this superstar who came from nothing and became the star, and I wanted to tell that story. Um, and then it ended up becoming the story about that article that came out that just torpedoed his career. Mm-hmm. It was difficult for me because I had a really, like I really loved David. Yeah. I still do, and I did then, and he was a wonderful friend. And the idea of making a video celebrating your friend's success is really exciting. But then when everything goes sideways, I still felt like, I don't know, journalistic, obli- I don't know, I felt a responsibility to see the movie through, but the story had changed. And the only way I could intellectually uh, approach that honestly was to tell the truth of what was happening. And how I did that was I pulled myself out of the movie completely. And I just asked David the hard questions. I asked you the hard questions. Mm-hmm. I asked Natalie the hard questions. I tried to understand what happened. Yeah. This article came out that was like, 
unreal. And it, I mean, it's, it, it, the impact of that article is no more evident than what happened with David's YouTube channel and everything else that has happened since then. Um, but I just tried to tell the truth of what transpired. And I know that that was very, the fact that I did that was very challenging for him to confront, um, which I understand. And like it, you know, had huge impact on our friendship. We don't, we don't speak anymore. And that's, I, I understand that. I expected that, but it's still, it makes me feel weird. I've never had a person in my life that I've cared about or known as well as him that has, you know, kind of divorced me like that. Yeah. Um, not that I'm a victim. I was the one who chose to make the movie. I, yeah. I, well, same with me. Like, you know, we both like to make uh, positive, silly, like uplifting content. Mm. And then when some real shit happens yeah, along hard. the way, like I, my whole thing, I made a documentary similar to your story because it's, you know, they were both going parallel sure. at the same time. And um, yeah, I felt weird about putting it out. You know, I didn't want to show myself like that you know but i didn't really have much of a choice and everybody around me was like you need to do this in order to like live the rest of your life to go on like you gotta just yeah look and jeff you and i t spoke every day during that and i yeah. think the real distinction between my position and yours is that you had to tell your story mm -hmm. um in, in addition and even to with that i did try to make yeah. it the best for him like you said you wanted to not make it seem like it's a hit piece on somebody sure but yeah. how can you do that without lying about parts of the story that I'm going to have to live with. And yeah, I think from, from your standpoint, you did the best you could. And, you know, I, I appreciate so much when you kind of like, let me know some things or you're like, this was said in it. And I saw it, I watched it and I think, you know, you did a good job, but it's uh, still somewhat like kind of like you're trying to not ruin somebody, you know, which I mean, I get it. I'd push back at that, which is just like, I tried to let David speak for David. Mm -hmm. I tried to let the journalist who wrote the story speak for her and speak for her story. Um, and I worked hard. I worked my, my hardest to make sure it wasn't me telling anyone else's story. It was everybody yeah. telling the story for themselves. And that includes you. And I think like the, the, the hard parts of the movie, the fact that it's not been released, the hardest parts for me are that the victim, this young woman that the story is about, um, who was who was assaulted in one of David's videos by Dom, not by David. David was not involved in what what transpired, um, besides making making the video that en enabled it. Um, uh, you know, I felt an obligation to her, and I feel an obligation to her as the victim. I feel an obligation to you um, because you were so honest and and forthright with me about what was going on then. Uh, I feel an obligation to David, but. Um, yeah, and not to say that you like called me on some like or a rat like I'm gonna I'm gonna backstab this guy or something to talk behind his back like you, he said what he said willingly on in an interview you know yeah and it showed it to you. I showed you what the video was it would have come out in the in the movie anyway so I would have eventually seen it but at the time I needed to you know I'm you get blinded by these things when you're in this business and so many things are changing so fast like I remember the first time we all did that meet and greet at your place two six eight. And it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was like oh, at the height of all of our popularity. People are screaming like the Beatles were there and the buildings were echoing. Like it was, yeah, I've never heard New York like that. It was crazy. And I, you get blinded by those things. And you, you know, I will say like before the, uh, you know, the, the, the darker and more challenging aspects of the narrative aside, the part of the movie that sort of substantiates just how impactful David was as a cultural figure at the absolute apex of his career. What an unbelievable time. And I don't know of another social media star. I mean, you know, you have a Mr. Beast who is 
certainly eclipse what anyone else has done before him. But Mr. Beast's content is not so Mr. Beast-centric. Mm-hmm. David was at the center of all the work that he made, and like his work was so brilliant. Um, problematic, sure, but brilliant. Yeah. And being along and getting to witness that ride, we went to Miami and had all those supercars. Oh, we, yeah. You know, like the, the thing here. Speed, in, yeah, the thing here in New York City. I, I accompanied him on a press tour when he was on that show, America's Next Top Something, Something, Something Talent. Like seeing what, what true celebrity can look like via social media. And that was the initial, the original intent of the movie was just to tell that story solely. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to witness that and then to have that captured on film, what a fucking wild time. Yeah. My thing was, I, I was trying to make a skydiving documentary. Oh, this is a documentary about me getting my skydiving license. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be earlier. like a life changing accident and all this shit. But yeah, back to those times. Those are great times. I, you know. Fascinating times. And, and I was a spectator. I wasn't a part of it. You know, even when I was with you guys and I was filming for the documentary, I worked really hard to have David not put me in any of the videos and always to be invisible because I didn't want to wag the dog. I wanted to stay invisible. So I was just there purely as a spectator, but to witness that was like, holy smokes. I think the video of the movie will see the light of day sometime. I'm not actively hiding it, but I'm definitely using the fact that I haven't found what I feel like is the appropriate or most appropriate venue for distribution, which I don't feel like is my YouTube channel. Um, is it done? It's is, done. Is there, yeah, a, is there a chance of continuation? No, I look, whenever I find, whenever that distribution opportunity presents itself. Would you make um, it a saga? Go on for <laughs> 30 years? No, I think that it would, you know, the last minute or two might need a change. Certainly when I finished the movie was when he decided to continue his vlogs and so much has transpired in his career. But I don't think any anything besides like a text card at the end, just like a, an epilogue card. Just go into the Snapchat error is that not a <laughs> no i think it would just be something like this is what happened you know in the years following the snapchat only fans era of the vlog squad <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean it was you know it's unfortunate the way things happen but everything happens for a reason i'm happy where i'm at now and even back then i always made sure to uh prioritize my own content and make sure that what i was doing was real and i was making sure i i, I knew what i wanted to make i knew what my own goals were and what i had to do to get there and you know and you and I talked about that a lot then and I think like some of the weird fallout from that is like not in a million years when I started that project did I think whatever five years later that of all those relationships it would be my relationship with you that would maintain and endure um that was a surprise like the closeness that you and I had during you know when you were really struggling with your um dealing with all of your medical issues like that intimacy that you and I, I didn't foresee that happening. And I think that's, that's been like a really special thing. I value our friendship and our relationship a lot that came out of it. And then just the conversations that you and I had somewhat like endlessly, these conversations about like, what does it mean to be a character? Meaning that you played a character in David's videos. The Mm -hmm. world knew you as a character, not the real Jeff, but a character of Jeff. I think the world knew David, not as the real David, but a character of himself. And I think that was a liability for him. Yeah. When some negative stuff came up, they didn't know how to judge him because they only knew this character version of him. We spoke about that a lot. I still look at Logan Paul, I think, is the ultimate example of this. How do you come back from Logan Paul's fall from grace when he was this goofball vlogger who filmed some bullshit he should have never filmed, who was necessarily canceled around the world, a cancellation which I support it because mm-hmm. the shit that he did was so fucked up. Yeah. How do you come back from that? What Logan said is he's like, What's the opposite of a carefully crafted 10-minute vlog where I'm a cartoon character wearing a 
a, a Toy Story hat, and he says, let me just put a camera on me for three hours. Yeah, podcast. Try be a character. Try being a character. Try not being true yeah. when you're sitting in an environment like this. And I think that's what you did with your series. I think that's what Logan did masterfully with his podcast. You can't hide. Mm-hmm. When you're sitting talking with people who know and trust people you, people see through your bullshit. They'll see through if your bullshit. If you're being fake on a, a podcast, they'll see. It's it. impossible. It's it's why Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan, because mm-hmm. he's just himself. You can hate him, you can like him, but he's just himself, and he's very good at being himself. And I think Logan found his calling there. I think your video series that you put out about about you know your relationship with David and your injury and that whole incident. I mean, I was looking at the edits you were doing, and and I saw you turn the dial towards realness and being honest and being vulnerable. And I think that that's where we are now. And I think that in the world of social media, I think yeah. what people relate to is truthfulness, is honesty, is integrity. And people can choose to, to not like what they see, but people appreciate knowing who they're dealing with. Absolutely. Yeah. Fucking podcast. It wasn't something that I thought I'd be doing. You know, it started, my Jeff FM set started sort of in that Frenemies interview. Yeah. That was the debut of it. They're like, are you starting a podcast? And that's how I got my podcast agency to give me brand deals was off that. The worst moment ever. My worst interview ever. All Xanaxed out. I hanging out. And I'm just like doing it. Yeah, that was not my best work. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And we're here. We're fucking still going. And I'm motivated so, uh, by all of this. You want to exile me? Cool. I'll just keep going. Like you said with the Beatles, I, I saw a lot of us in that when they split up. Mm-hmm. Not to compare ourselves to the Beatles. I'm not like... You know, John Lennon got in trouble when he compared the Beatles to Jesus. He said, we're bigger than Jesus. They got canceled back then before there was even <laughs> cancel culture. But no, just like the similarities of like them trying to get the band back together because the whole world wanted them back together. Sure. You know, Paul is sort of like the David in that situation. You know, I don't know which one I, I would be. Probably John. He was one of the cooler ones, you know, so I'd probably be John. He was killed, you Who's know. Yoko? Uh, Yoko would be well I would be dating so I guess I'd be Paul then you know or I don't know no because Paul was the main right he was the, the biggest um, George Harrison I'm not Ringo that'd be George Harrison might be like Ilya just like the guy who's like a square like solid technically capable super unproblematic yeah then maybe I'd be like a competitor maybe I'd be like one of the Rolling Stones Ringo's kind of yeah I don't know who Ringo would be yeah, but they, they, I watched that documentary. So yeah, I don't wanna, you don't want to go in and insulting somebody. <laughs> I, I pulled back. I don't know who's Ringo. Yeah, Jonah. <laughs> no, Jonah would, could be Ringo. He always made me laugh when I got to, when I, like, when we started filming together, I was like, this is the guy. I want to bring him onto my show. And, like, this is, this is the duo right here, you know? Like, me and Todd at the time, people thought that that was the duo, but really, really, that was my guy to lean on, you know? But I got a replacement of him. That's solid, Steven, I love you. You're my boy, and I got your back for life. But uh, he can't be here today because you know he wasn't here for the marathon. He doesn't do the marathon. marathon only. The marathon, marathon yeah. only pod right now. Yeah, but um, yeah. Speaking of the Beatles, so in that uh, in that documentary they put out on HBO, they had that meeting where they finally wanted to get all back together. And John brought Yoko to that meeting. He brought his girlfriend into it, and they were all like, "Yo." We wanted to have a talk as boys. We've been together since day one. They started in their teens, you know, in Liverpool. And now they're, after all their success, they tried one last time to have a talk and she ruined it, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, the Beatles story is one that I like to follow and the Yoko part. 
Yeah. She's, I don't. I just don't see her as a force for good in the Beatles. Yeah. I see her as a distraction. Women. Cody. Take it easy. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. What I about just, women? I want to see if I can get something out of him. I want to get him going. Well, I think not just women in general. I think relationships. Yeah. Guy, woman, girl, because it depends. It complicates things. It depends what part of, like, your life you're at. You might not be at the same setting. Like, you know, I don't know the white wording, but so it's a lot harder for men because men need to build <laughs> themselves up to a foundation Yeah. when a woman could just have this beauty or this personality that they could just walk into a successful older guy's life. <laughs> yeah. You know, my wife and I had a podcast that was very successful. Yeah, so. And everybody's like, why don't you start the podcast back up again? And I was like, including my wife. The impact that it had on our marriage was so damaging and gnarly that I was like, never. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Like, I need a total separation of church and state. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of marriage. I I, I don't know. It's it's just like it's America. Everybody's on their second marriage. Well, I mean, some people last. You know, my parents have been together 40 years. They made it. It's hard because social media, you know, it opens up all like like this facade of like, oh, I could get better or this is what my life should be like. Yeah. So they're like, I don't want this. I'm not happy. And then, you know, then they try to go find yeah. what they see what they idolize or for something of a story that was painted and what know, is yeah. it jealousy is the thief of joy something like that yeah yeah so yeah. it's complicated you know we you got know? the wife and i this december january i don't know what our anniversary date is but 10 years damn seven years is the seven years is like the most like if you can make it to seven years you beat the odds statistically Okay. Mean that like we did it. Like if we were to split up now, the marriage would still technically be considered a, a success. We would be pulling, we pull the numbers up. We're pulling the stats up. She and I are carrying the burden of the high divorce rate on our shoulders. And you guys met here in New York? Yeah. That's it. inspiring. I got to find my wife out here. New York City girls here. are the best. They don't give yeah. a shit. They don't wear makeup. They don't care about you. They no. got their pajamas on at like the coffee shop. They got like jobs. They're busy. Nurses. They don't have time for you. They're busy. Yeah, yeah, They're doing yeah. real things. Uh huh. Like yeah. you know, what's not cool in New York. Lip fillers. Yeah. Nobody I'm has bu- them. Yeah. I'm busy running marathons. That's right. I don't have time for relationships. Yeah. Focus I'm training all year round. Or find a girl that does marathons. Yeah, that's it. I was actually running the marathon yesterday. I was like, man, I gotta get a fitness girl. Yeah. Somebody that could be faster than me, so I could. So she could just slap me in my face and then run away and then I could try to chase her down. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes. So I could get better. Yeah. It's funny. My wife is not... My wife, she's, she's very healthy. She's very fit, but she's not a runner. Most people are not. It's Most hard. people are not. It's a full body movement. It's a lot. It it's sucks, punishing. to be honest. I love it because, like you said, it's... I think it's the cure for everything. It's preventative. Like... It's um, it's um. It keeps your heart strong. It keeps your. your it cleans out your veins. You feel good. Your mental health. I'm gonna run for the rest of my life. There it is. I gotta go. Yeah, same. We have to wrap it up. Casey, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, and I will. We'll be neighbors now. Yeah. You know. Love to have you back. I'm excited city, for man. the next chapter. Uh, we got a year to train. I hope you take it serious because I'm not fucking playing games <laughs> next year. Congrats on the marathon. Congrats on the marathon. Uh, anything you want to say to people, motivate them to start running? Get a running coach. Just call Jeff. Phil, I'm sorry for calling you out, but I would love for you to run the marathon. Just start. Doesn't matter how fast. Just go. That's what I do. When people say, where do I start? It's like, just 
Just go really, really slow, set a goal, and just tell yourself you can't stop till you get to that goal, and then you build that goal up little by little, and then you'll be there, you'll be banging out the New York City Marathon, you'll be the happiest you ever were in your life with no drugs, no substances, and yeah, do it. All right, thank you, Casey Neistat, and Evil Cody.